Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. What's up, guys? This is Jake Carlisle, and welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, where we share our experiences on how to flip and invest in real estate, the stock market, and all things fitness. Join us as we dive deep into the world of self-development and get ready to make some capital gains. Uh, I'm joined with Zach Mayer today. Hello. Chad's doing some real estate stuff, and we're gonna, we're going to talk about some stock market. So let's get it rolling. Yeah, we got a bunch of fun stuff for today. All about China, pretty much. Oh, China, 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 China. So China. I know neither Jake nor myself are experts on this situation. And I think this can be a good example for everybody else as to what you should do when you don't know everything about something and don't have the time even to look into everything. Right. Because I know we're all super busy with stuff. And so best point of advice is don't make decisions on something with such strong conviction that if you, if you don't know about it too much. And right. It, um, I think Jake can tell you about like a slightly brief briefing on how it is more than I can. I'm, I know that the CCP Chinese communist party has gotten involved with a lot of different companies out there. And then I'm also aware of the Evergrande situation and they're defaulting, um, meaning that they're not able to pay off their debt anymore that they have. And so I think that we were, what we we're going to talk about today is just overuse of leverage because with a lot of people now, even our age or that are get retail investors that are starting out, margin has become more readily available than it ever has been in the past. And we're seeing a lot of people still manage to lose money and lose money on margin. And margin, if for those who don't know, is just like if you're taking out a loan um, from your broker and then you're paying a small interest rate on it, but you can use it to buy stocks and hopefully outperform your interest rate that you're paying. Right. Yeah. My, uh, my biggest thing on China, like he said, the, the headlines or don't, don't invest based on like what you see or hear. Um, and this is what was brought up to me the other day. Um, because Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's right-hand man, uh, is, is heavy. I say heavy quote unquote, um, he's got a couple hundred million dollars in Baba and, uh, you know, that's, that's heavy to us, but you know, pennies to him. So he's deep into Baba and that, that made a big rile up uh, of the stock community. And I'm sure a bunch of investors and even myself followed in his footsteps, uh, thinking, oh, if, if Munger can do it, um, you know, maybe we should. And, you know, one thing that was brought to my attention the other day was, you know, Munger is, is worth a lot and they manage billions and billions of dollars and his $20 million investment in Baba, you know, when you've never even seen $20 million in your life, his $20 million is like us investing a dollar when we have $10,000, right? Like if it goes 10 X, that's awesome. He's made a good amount of money, but if it goes zero, he'll lose zero sleep tomorrow, right? It'll be a tax write-off. And so, you know, that's just not something we can do. So if you have $10,000 to invest, and you're like, oh, I'm going to put it all in Baba. Well, then the, the CCP comes in and is like, hey, we're going to take all the money that you've made because we don't like you, uh, which is essentially what's kind of happening. Um, and they go to zero. Well, then you just lost all your money and you got to start all over. And Munger is sleeping because he's rich and can handle that. 
So always look into what you're doing and kind of what your risk tolerance is, because if you are all in on one place, um, as me and Zach know, like if you don't have the conviction and the, the proper research into the company, it can all go really wrong really fast. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's all comes back to risk versus reward for him. The reward to risk ratio is there. The risk, like Jake said, is uh, near nothing. He's going to lose half a percent of his portfolio. Maybe if that, maybe half of that, I don't know the exact figures, but like to you exactly what Jake said, it's like losing a dollar. Um, and on the other hand, the headlines make him look great. If he does, if this investment does work out, because the headlines still say investing hundreds of millions of dollars into Baba and people are like, Wow, that was genius. He went so heavy, but in reality, he didn't. I mean, I don't think he's looking for that kind of recognition in the first place. Man is more accomplished than anybody that can give him credit from the media. So I don't think it really matters to him. But the whole point is, for someone like us, the risk to reward just isn't there to go any heavier into Baba. I know last or two podcasts ago, we had talked about buying some. I don't, I can't, don't want to speak for Jake, but personally, I'm going to cut down on my position size. I'll probably limit it to one to 2% of my account. Um, but I'm still going to hold there. For me, I understand that Baba is the largest e-commerce service in China. Um, it's widely used out here. They're getting in, they have AI technology that they're developing. There's rumors of vehicles, whatever the case may be. They're just such a large conglomerate that I still want to invest in them because they're being weighed heavily down by everything that's going on with China itself and the Evergrande situation. Just like um, all the Chinese casinos are having an issue. I don't know if you saw Jake win. Um, there's two casinos that we have out here, Win, Encore, things like that. Yep. And they do business in China just, just like they do out here. But some of the Chinese government has called that their own country's brand, kind of like when you go to Costco or Walmart and they have a store brand, they, they also have store brand casinos and they're mandating... <laughs> At least some of the casinos are store brands. So a lot of a lot of the Chinese gambling stocks are down 20, 30% very, very fast. Um, yeah, a, uh, a CCP casino sounds pretty fun to me. Yeah. I bet that's not regulated or tapped at all. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, especially to people like us out here. That's just completely out of the question. If something like that were to happen here, you would have a civil war too. Um, but... Another thing with Baba, definitely the fact that they were able to come in and take one third of Baba's cash for no apparent reason. They didn't need any justification. Baba didn't need to do anything wrong. I mean, we all kind of know when it comes to the risk of investing in Chinese companies that because of how their government works, they are they have the potential to be able to come in somewhere and then say, just take their money or claim ownership or whatever the case may be, if they really, really wanted to. Now, of course, technically speaking, that might not be like, this has to happen, then this has to happen. Like, but like at the end of the day, those are the results. And so what ended up happening was the communist Chinese Communist Party had taken one third of Baba's cash on hand. And so for me, that was the main thing that made me cut down my position size, just because I've always known the threat has been there, but that's how it's always been. Bob has always recovered, and a lot of the, like, the Chinese market has always recovered from news of stuff like this where there's some government threat. But this is the first time, at least for me, maybe I should know more about kind of the history of China and what they're able, what they've done to other companies before. But this is the first time I've personally seen like actual action be taken and them just 
strip a third of their cash, which is a significant amount of working capital away from them. So that's pretty much what caused me to do it. And that, that goes back to what we were saying in the beginning where it doesn't matter um, if you don't know everything about a situation. I understand the whole over leverage Evergrande situation. They're trying to pay people back with discounted properties. And it sounds like a shit show. That's really all I need to know. And all I need to know is that that's why the market's coming down. And then I can just focus in on any actual investments that I have from China rather than trying to understand the whole situation. But don't get me wrong. I'm not discouraging anyone. I would like to know more about it. Right. I think you're, I, I agree with you on the, uh, you know, cutting, cutting down on the position just because, um, like you said, it's all about the risk ratio. And if, you know, if it's got, if I've got 500 bucks in there and it triples, which it could, you know, if, if everything clears up and, you know, whatever, and it triples, you know, I make a grand, that's awesome. Right. But also if it goes to zero and I lose 500 bucks, you know, I'm all good, but I can't have $3,000 in there and then it goes to zero and it's tied up forever. And I, I lose it all, right. I lose 30%, 30% of whatever that is of my portfolio. Um, but yeah, but as as for people who don't know, um, in the the Evergrande Evergrande is a the biggest real estate developer in China, and it literally just went bankrupt um, like a couple days ago, and stock tanked. Like it's at thirty two cents right now. I think Zach said. Um, where, yeah. where was it trading at? It was trading in between two and high threes, like three dollars and two dollars. Um, yeah. I even this morning was like, maybe I'll just throw like a hundred bucks in, and randomly a hundred bucks turns into five hundred bucks. <laughs> I don't think I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's down ninety percent, and so that's 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 crazy. Ninety percent just gone like that, and so now it's got to go up like a thousand percent for you to get your money back. Um, and so that's just the stuff you gotta, you gotta be aware of. And I think one of the biggest, the biggest mind numbing numbers that I've, I've heard of, I, I think it was in Forbes yesterday, I sent Zach this article and it said Evergrande had $300 billion in liabilities, $100 billion in debt. So short-term debt. And they did $5 billion in profit last year. And so, you know, $5 billion in profit is a lot of money, but when you have $300 billion in long-term liabilities and $100 billion in short-term debt, that doesn't mix. You can only do that for so long. <laughs> how does that happen? Like, how do you sustain yourself? So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how they ended up borrowing all that money. Um, that's kind of insane to me, but, you know, there's some higher-ups that are pulling some strings, I'm sure. Either way, uh, the risk just isn't there. And, um, you know, in real estate, you know, once they are so leveraged um, and then, you know, they're also in the stock market, they're, they're publicly listed. And so, you know, one thing leads to another, they go bankrupt, their stock gets sold off hard and they have no liquidity left because they're done. So, you know, it's either going to default and they might get split up or um, we'll see what the CCP does as far as maybe bailing them out. I'm not sure. Yeah. And that's another thing. So like I said, I don't know too much, but I have heard that there's very unlikely chances of bailout. Really? Yeah. I haven't, everything I've read as limited as it is, has said, don't expect any bailouts. Yeah. I think I read something where it was like, instead of bailing them out, they'll, they'll probably just scrutinize all the, uh, 
all leadership and um, divide the, the huge company up into, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 smaller ones. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what happens. But that's just the biggest thing about uh, right now, at least the, the biggest risk probably to any stock market is, is the political risk, um, you know, with Biden at, at uh, he's the U S president and uh, say what you want. He just, he's just old and you, know, you can do anything, anything at any time. Uh, just kind of like Trump was like, you never knew what Trump was going to do. Trump was going to do what he wanted to do. And so, you know, there was political risk there as well. And so there's always political risk um, with any stock, but um, especially right now in China, um, especially with the CCP and, and them being communist and they can do whatever they want with whoever they want. So, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think the biggest thing aside from all that, that I've been thinking about, is just when you see how much leverage they have, we would sit here and say to ourselves, oh, and the US companies don't do that. That's not allowed. You can't leverage that much. Like, of course we don't do that. But even if you look at the crypto market itself, the I don't have exact numbers. I'm not sure if anyone does at all, but everything I have heard is that extremely leveraged valuations. And that's what makes me nervous is that if it's 100X leveraged in the crypto market, that means you could come down in value on any of those coins, including Bitcoin and Ethereum, in large, large, substantial amounts if something were to go wrong. It doesn't and, have to go wrong. And overnight, like fast, uh, yeah. like instantly. And so that's why that's why leverage is so, so hard. And so like leverage, um, you know, as, as a real estate and stock term, um, basically saying, hey, if I buy $10,000 of stock, um, I'll give you $20,000 more to trade with because you have your collateral of $10,000 stock or the best example is in real estate where I'll bring 20% down on a down payment. I'll be able to buy $100,000 worth of real estate. Um, so you're leveraged one to five. Now real estate's not as, not as volatile at all. And um, you know, it's not just going to deep dive overnight, but um, that's why crypto is so, so lucrative and also scary because I've, I've read that all of the U S dollars, um, that have been minted through tether, which I believe is what's connected to us, uh, the U S dollar only 1% is held in cash. Everything else is, is, uh, leverage, which is really insane. I mean, even this last now almost two years since COVID had started, the whole, like everything seems to be leveraged. When the Fed dropped the reserve requirement, I mean, this is a good way for people to think about it. Basically what we did to prevent a greater recession than that kind of quick COVID crash was leverage the economy through quantitative easing. We just said, okay, the reserve requirement at banks is zero. As a result, that means we have infinity money. So for anyone that doesn't know, a reserve requirement at a bank, say you go to the bank and deposit $100, and for simplicity's sake, the reserve requirement's 10%. That means that the bank has to hold $10 in cash, and then they have $90 that they can lend out to other banks. So you check your bank statement, and it says $100, but the bank itself only has 10 of those dollars, and the rest is being lent out. And this happens over and over and over again until you hit zero. So then that $90 is lent, $9 is kept, and then you keep going and going until you have no more money to lend out. This is how banks make money, and this is how they're able to lend things. This is how we have so much money without actually having that much cash. Yep. It's and all, that's, it's all, that's why if you go to the bank and you're like, 
hey, I need to withdraw $2 million. They're like, oh, uh, uh, give us give us a couple days or something like that. Like, you, you want that? You sure? <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, with, if, if there was ever a run on the banks, uh, if everybody was like, oh, I want all my, all my cash out of the banks, there wouldn't be enough cash. There yeah, literally would not be enough cash. Most classic example is literally the one thing everyone knows about the stock market is the Great Depression. This is a big part of how that all happened was people were going to the bank and they didn't have the money. Yep. And then welcome FDIC. And it would be even worse now. It would be yeah, even no. worse. It's, I like your, you texted me yesterday, um, and this is a quote where you were talking about extreme leverage and uh, extreme leverage levels. You said, quote, one thing is true of all recessions. They are preceded by extremely high leverage slash margin levels. Overconfidence with regards to the future creates recency bias, which leads to much higher leverage levels and eventually is the reason a correction becomes a crash, end quote. So I've listened to somebody named Michael Gate. He's a CFA. Say this on his Twitter live stream. Him and a bunch of other CFAs were in there and just talking about the kind of current state of everything. And this quote comes from decades ago. So does it sound? It's not like someone just looked at the market now and has a bearish thesis and thought, "Hmm, these are things that characterize the market right now." Let me go spew this out. People have this has been something that's been a pattern forever, and I just think it's interesting because. If you were to say, is the market over leveraged right now? I would say yes. And it, that's that's a fact. You can go look at margin ratios over time and we're at all time highs. And that just means the percentage of people using margin in trading, which is one, a, one, a signal of a crash. Um, and then on top of that, tell me not the last, especially last year, it felt like maybe because I was more involved in like reading about stuff like this. But even with that being said, last year, any company that there was, I swear, a three to five month period where any company that had some sort of futuristic idea or solution just got tons of volume pushed into it. And it would go from a penny stock to a $30 stock in two days. Um, like, yeah. for example, I remember there was a ticker that said they had the cure to Alzheimer's. How many people do you think have said that before? But everyone's so optimistic about the future that, boom, it became like a $70 stock overnight. Um, and it was a penny stock. Another good example was even Kathy. So this is what I mean. Even Kathy Wood, as many of you know, Ark Invest kind of fund manager and voice and face of the fund, was buying uh, shares of a stock that had personal flying vehicles that you would park in your driveway or land on your roof. Now, just going back to the quote, I, I think we can agree that that's being overly optimistic about how good the future is going to go, at least the near future where it's near enough that the markets even price that type of stuff in being possible. Right. So, I mean, we're over leveraged. Everyone's so optimistic about every piece of innovation that's possible that doesn't have a single cent of revenue to back it. It's essentially me telling you this right now and being like, yep, we have an LLC. Buy our stock. Yeah, we're worth we're worth we're worth fifty million, but we don't have any revenue. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> stuff like that, uh, we're over leveraged, and then ever just like everyone you talk to right now is everyone invests now. Who, who doesn't invest? Who doesn't have public Acorns, uh, Robinhood, any of those apps that make it so easy to just get into investing now? So, in my opinion, everything that was mentioned in that quote is is sitting true. But the same person. Um, I follow them pretty closely. Like I said, their name is Michael Gade. They're a CFA. I find them on Twitter or something like that. They run the lead lag report. 
everything they put out is pretty solid. They have a great understanding of how the market works. And the same person also says, no one can predict the future, but I can tell you what the weather's like. And if you're going to go for a drive in your car, I can tell you what weather you're more likely to crash in than not. And so he's basically saying that right now it's raining and there's thunder and lightning and there's no guarantee that we might crash, that we're going to crash. But if there was ever a time that we were likely to, it's now in, in the near future. Yeah. I mean, there's you, if you, if you talk to, I mean, it, it also depends who you talk to also, like there's, there's bears, there's bulls. Um, I, I personally, I like to be logical with it. Um, and be very, very objective on both ends um, because usually bulls are over optimistic, bears are are, are over over pessimistic, and uh, like the the wording says, I think it's it's bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered, and that's very true because you know if you know what you're doing and you know what's happening and you're a bear, well you're probably gonna make money, and if you're a bull. And your objective, well, you're probably gonna make money. But if you're just over the moon happy, oh, long, 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 and all these tech stocks, well, what happens in this past March when all the tech stocks literally slapped in half, in half, and especially what, the mid to small cap ones. Yeah, like what happens then, right? Then, then you got slaughtered and you're done. And so, you just gotta look at it objectively. Um, limit your risk, and that's why we that's why we mainly roll into uh, indexes, and then a, a few um, high conviction growth and value stocks. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think just so everyone knows too, like I on top of that list of kind of stocks to invest in is stocks with actual revenue, actual cash flowing companies that pay dividends, stuff like that. Don't, don't underestimate the power of buying a company like, I don't know, let me just look at my screen, like Caterpillar, Kraft Heinz, FedEx, something like that. All of these companies are not going anywhere, produce tons of revenue and pay a nice dividend. So right. when you don't know what to invest in outside of indexes and your few growth stocks, those tend to be the things I go to. And I tend to use those type of companies to hedge risk during bullish markets. And then when we enter a bear market, rebalance a little heavier into them. Right. Yeah. Um, I also, I also think it just came up in my head. Uh, I'm not sure why. I think you mentioned Kathy and that's probably why it, it came yeah. up. So Kathy Wood is uh, a very big proponent and uh, I guess she promotes Tesla a lot. Like that's one of, that's one of her biggest holdings. Yes. And she's like ultra, 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 ultra bullish, like no bearish whatsoever, like price target 5,000, which is kind of insane. Um, it's already insane. It's already valued insane. Credit but to her though, she did call Tesla to 4,000 years. Yes. Yes. I agree. That's what, that's what I mean. So that's why like, we listen to Kathy. Right. Like at least not listen, but like uh, when she has something to say, I'm down to hear what she has to say. Right. So she's, she's saying Tesla go to 5,000 and then you've got the opposite side. You've got Michael Burry who, who called the, the recession in 08. Um, he is completely opposite. He is literally, he is loaded up on Tesla puts, um, which are option contracts, gives him the right to sell, uh, sell shares at a specified price at a specified time. And if, if the stock goes down, he'll make money, right? He'll make the difference. 
and he's literally loaded up on puts. So the 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 views couldn't be so different. And so it's going to be interesting interesting to see who's right and who's wrong. And you know maybe maybe both of them are right. Maybe we'll get some type of correction where Tesla falls fifty percent, which we honestly already had, and. Um, you know, then we might have a run up to 5,000 who knows. Right. And so that's what I mean. Like those two have been in the market long enough to where Michael's going to make money, Burry's going to make money and Kathy's going to make money. Um, and then we're all stuck arguing over who's right, who's wrong while they make the money. <laughs> I think the whole, the, the lesson out of that is they had a strategy and they stuck with it and they didn't waver and they didn't listen to anyone else. And I think Kathy's outlook on Tesla is for 20 years. And I think Burry is looking at more of the state of the economy and yeah. saying this stock right here is going to be perfect for puts to print in the next one to two years. Kathy goes, I don't give a flying, you know what about your puts. Cause I think Tesla is going to be revolutionary for the next 20 to 25 years to come. So while you're printing on your puts, I'm just going to be buying more and more shares as that crash happens. Yep. And so and that's what I mean. Both of them, both of them will make money. It's just, you know, who, who, and then we're going to be stuck arguing about who's right, and who's wrong. And they're probably both right. You know, just I, agree. I think I'm personally waiting to buy back into Tesla because I want to invest in it for the long term. But I just think the valuation was too high, especially at $900. And even at what, 741 right now, I still don't want to be buying that any shares. But so I like, I do, I agree with Burry in the short term that it's going to go down. I mean, I sold mine when it was up all the way up in La La Land, just because one, the cash was useful for me. And then two, it didn't see more upside from 900 something dollars. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's like, it's not like either of them are wrong, like you said. But um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's really well, good for that one. Margin. And uh, don't listen to don't listen to Burry because he's a bear. <laughs> I I really do like Burry. I uh, I look up to Burry a lot. Uh, my favorite movie is The Big Short. Um, my uncle had me watch it for the first time like last summer, and like I think every every I don't watch movies very often, but now when I do, like that's what it is, or it's something something like that, and. He actually, uh, he predicted that the financial collapse of 08 was going to happen. And everybody called him crazy. Like, hey, you're wrong. No, this is like, it's not happening. The housing market's solid. And he was buying, uh, what was he buying? He was buying um, credit default swaps or something like that. Yeah, it was, um, that's what it was. It was basically, basically, puts on um on the housing market like they didn't even have them he had them make them for him and they laughed him out of the laughed him out of the bank like oh you're stupid lo and behold he ended up making like 1.3 billion dollars off of off a 200 million dollar bet um that almost put him out of out of out of business he was that Mind you he had 200 million dollars to make this bet right and he also he also put it all the line. Like he was so convicted that it was going to happen, he literally put it all out there, and uh, people were calling him crazy. And then the world stopped pretty much. 
and he made a bunch of money, and everybody lost their homes. The rest of the world is on fire next to him, and he's swimming in cash. Yeah, no kidding. And the reason for that, the reason that that happened was um, can can be attributed to the massive amounts of leverage in the real estate market. Like, they were giving loans to anybody with a pulse. Like, they would go give loans to me and Zach with no income, no co-signers, and just hope that we paid it back. And package yeah. those deals up and sell them to investors. And that's like, what? And now, like, you can barely even get a loan if you make good money. If you if you pay your rent every month, they don't care. They, they want to know if you can pay that, that crap back. Yeah, like, for example, I lease a house in Massachusetts with a few of my friends for school because it's cheaper than school, um, which is a whole different topic of how ridiculous that is. But regardless, to get this house... We had not only were there three people in the house already to cover, like the whole reason they want to know your income and stuff is so they know you can cover rent and expenses and stuff like that. So there's already three people in this house. That's not enough because uh, two of us are students. You need a co-signer. So I had my mom co-sign. Thankfully, I'm able to do that. But then even that itself wasn't enough. They requested that the one of my roommate's parents didn't want to co-sign because they're already co-signed on like over eight or nine properties so they're like oh my god like i don't need another one that i'm responsible for um but they were like fine we need like a proof of net worth from her so like it, jake's right it's wow absolutely i didn't know that yeah they made her show like all of her houses and like that she owned all of them and like stuff like that that must be the tax Massachusetts laws it probably is. We have so many laws. You can't even like build a fence without getting 12 permits out here. So I would not be surprised if that was why. That's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy what uh what you have to go through to get things done nowadays. Um You know it's illegal to build a fireplace in my backyard in new in the town I live in. What why? Like what do you what type of fireplace? Like a six rocks in a circle what yeah you can't have a fire in your backyard you are allowed to have a gas powered fire though like a propane like fake fireplace where it has the yeah, gas yeah. yeah so the the city can can charge you that gas bill and and run it up on you that makes sense it's because legally it's considered a candle <laughs> that's a huge candle holy crap yeah all right if anyone's still listening to all of our nonsense at this point, thank you very much. I will let Jake take us out of here. I got to go school and then carry some boxes around because I'm poor. <laughs> hey, but what are you getting paid? 22 bucks an hour? 22 an hour and 52.50 a year towards my tuition. Dude's getting paid FedEx. 22 an hour to work for FedEx, put in boxes in a truck. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on now. Tax institutions doesn't sound too bad now. <laughs> yeah, we get taxed a lot, but we get paid a lot more. Yeah, that's crazy. Either way, hope you enjoyed what, uh, what we had to say about China, um, leverage, and just the political investing risks you got in the stock market. Um, if you got any value from it, share it, please. Um, and reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of it and you know what we can do better and uh, what we did right. Because uh, we were always trying to get this better and make it better, improve it. Because uh, we do want to help y'all make some gains and get y'all financial liter literacy. 
So, um, yeah, thankfully, guys, all we ask in return for trying to help you is that you absolutely shit on our podcast so we can make it better for you. Yeah. I mean, even, even if it's terrible, post it and be like, Hey, this is a terrible podcast. They don't know what Seriously, they're talking about. They just let us talk about, but just let us know, uh, preferably privately, but just let us know and we'll, <laughs> we'll fix it and we'll get it done. We'll, we'll get some quality, quality content out there, but, uh, Let's make the world, let's, sorry, let's show the world how to make some capital gains. Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new.